give you guys a little bit of uh, room to talk about. We don't have time for everybody every week, every month to share what's going on, but we want to make this a form where you can ask questions and share concerns and things like that. But I think it's good to hear the stories and hear what's going on and how God's moving. And so this month I asked Mike Stanley, who's in Columbus, Ohio, uh, to tell a little bit of your story, Mike, about, about how you came into this ministry, how you came to even know about influencers, why you were interested. Um, and, and then talk a little bit about what's happened, you know, since then. So why don't you tell a little of your story, Mike, and, and then there may be some time for some questions and all that after that. So go ahead, Mike. Uh, I'll try to be as succinct as I can, and then you can ask what you wish. Uh, about three years ago, I started looking for a Bible study, oddly enough, uh, in which I didn't have to buy a different set of books every year or I didn't have to develop something for everybody from scratch all the time. And I had led Bible studies for many, many years. Um, I, I think it's important that you understand this at least enough about me. I was 39 and a half years old before I came to know Christ. And my marriage was falling apart around my ears. And the Lord came into our lives and simply changed me uh, in a profound way. And so I had two boys that were 10 and 7 at the time, and and they both came to know Christ, one of whom is pastor today. And my wife and I have been married for 53 years now, which is truly a miracle. 17 years BC, uh, the rest of it after Christ. And, um, and so that's what drives me. What drives me is that I don't want men to be like I was. And I walk around in communities of men who are just like I was. And so I've done lots of things over the last 35 years to try to invest in men and, and get them to do, to at least consider the claims of Christ. And so I began to look around for a book, and I called a guy in Winona Lake who was in a professional athletes um, organization that I knew. His name's Tom Roy, funny guy, and uh, talked to him, and he said, well, you need to talk to this guy in L.A. named Phil Van Horn. And I didn't know Phil Van Horn from the picture on my wall. And uh, so I called Van Horn and we had a fantastic conversation. And in the process, Phil said, you need to talk to Brian Craig uh, because there is this outfit called Influencers and they do this thing called The Journey. And it would really fit what you're looking for. And it's one of the most profound things I've ever done. Even though I didn't know Phil, I knew his background was as a very successful fellow and so I called Brian, and Brian and I talked for an hour plus, and it was just uh, simpatico. It was just, I really felt like this was the thing, but um, I wasn't sure. So I asked three other of my friends 
um, a pastor at the church that I was attending at the time, um, the development director there, and a guy who was the athletic director for the Columbus Crusaders at the time. And I asked those guys to go through this course with me. And it was one of the first, not the first, but it was one of the first Zoom courses that, and so Brian was our guide along, some of you know Greg Marchand in um, Bakersfield and and, uh, terrific guy, Phil Clark in Arkansas as well. And so those three guys were guiding our group and our group had guys in it from Costa Rica, uh, Ken Lander, uh, to West Virginia, to uh, Pennsylvania, uh, to Atlanta, uh, to Bakersfield. It was all over the United States, a fascinating group of men, and most of whom, well over half, are very, very involved in influencers today. Um, very involved. And so I talked to Tim and Gary and Brian and I, and so Gary... God bless him. I was, I'm trying to get him on the call. Tim's actually out of town today, but um, Gary went through the materials that Brian sent us and we were looking at it, honestly, from a theological perspective. Uh, I go, I attend what a Grace Brethren Church, which is, uh, I guess, many respects close to a Baptist church, except with two major exceptions having to do with baptism we 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 get dunked three times forwards instead of one time back. There are reasons for it and a couple of things like that. But so uh but but the Grace Brethren Church, if you ever run across one of those people, you will find they are pretty serious theologically. And so Gary studied this thing and he he came to me with this resounding report. He said, Well, I don't see anything necessarily bad. Let's go. <laughs> so 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 okay. So we got in it, and and uh, two of the th- well, three of the four of us have now led in, in excess of ten grace groups in the last three years. Maybe I'm sorry, uh, journey groups, um, at least ten. And actually, it's probably higher than that. It's probably closer to twelve. And so you could say we drank the Kool Aid. We once we went through. Um, one of one of the fellows that we went through, Tim Montgomery, uh, was very slow to the process, worked like crazy, did the work beyond anybody, including myself, that I've ever known. Um, but it didn't really click with him until about two weeks till graduation. And he was sitting in the Atlanta airport uh, on on the phone with us. And we were discussing something and I don't even remember what it was. And he was absolutely in tears, completely broken up. And God was doing a real work in his life. And here he is sitting in the middle of the Atlantic airport, uh, weeping. And people, of course, are just looking at him like he's nuts. Um, but he obviously really got it. And he has led since then. He's led three or four groups. Gary's led four or five groups. I've led seven groups or so, seven or eight. And um, so we really. We really bought into it, really believe in it. Saw a fellow last night who was a pastor at the church that Gary's at that's led two journey groups now. And we were talking about the journey. And I made the comment to him that I don't know a single person who has ever gone through the journey and done the work whose life wasn't changed. And um, of all the things I've done in 35 years, it's 
without question the best in terms of this 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 sort of thing. So that's 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 how we got involved, and we um, we had, this year one of our journey groups had three young men from Indiana in it who were who are going to lead a group in Indiana next year. Uh, we've got a group, uh, Brian. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, one of the Grace Brethren churches up in Delaware, Grace Powell, actually, um, one of the guys that was in in one of my groups, and two two of the guys are going to um, lead a group there. So we have we have really really good things happening. There'll probably be four or five groups at the big Grace Brethren Church and. Um, so I would say this coming year that we'll have somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 or 11 groups, which when you consider the other groups that we've done is probably a pretty big work in, in, in Ohio. Um, so I, that's enough. I'll leave it there. Well, and I remember Mike, you, uh, in you, you know, your first year after going through my virtual group, you, you were talking about I, that you were going to lead two groups. And I said, well, I don't know if I'd really advise that Mike, I think you just ought to start with one. Um, but you said, Brian, I appreciate that, but I don't know how much time I got left and I got to make the most of it. So, uh, but it wasn't just you, the other two guys, they both led two groups also. Right. So right. you guys all had two groups each or something like that. So we're just right, but this pretty- last year, this last year, I was really stupid. I did three and, um, <laughs> uh, but I, but I'm retired and I don't have anything to do. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> no. Um, but we are glutton for punishments and actually we're so appreciative of all three of us for what the Lord's done in our lives that it's not, it's just easy to do. It is. And we see and we see the difference that it's making in men's lives. So so you're about three year three into this whole thing. And and how many people, how many guys, if you had to guess, have been or men and women have been through it in your area? And we're not about numbers, but it's just a gauge, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, w- I, I would say that minimally each of the groups that we've done and we've done now 12 groups. Let's say I would say somewhere between 120 and 140. Okay. Okay. That's probably so, pretty close, by the way. So is it starting to feel different, you know, now that you got a hundred and I mean, is it starting to feel like uh, a community, if you will, or, or are you starting to feel a need to gather these people together, things like that? That's how I feel, but I'm a gatherer by nature and an encourager. And uh, one of the hardest things, and I, I would ask fellas, on the call, actually, one of the most difficult things that has happened is many of you have said this before. Uh, it's so hard to get into the churches. So let me tell you the good news and the bad news. It's great to be in the churches, but when you go into the churches, like uh, six or eight of those groups have been in one church. And one of the problems is the church doesn't feel the need to have an influencer's umbrella. They're using the journey to accomplish wonderful things and change men's lives. But they don't see the need to have a group in the community. And as of yet, we don't have enough um, of a core or whatever that would be that's beyond 
one or two churches uh, that we can do that with. I, I, I think that will come, but I don't know if it will come. Well, yeah, and you mentioned something to me that was interesting because the same exact thing happened in Tulsa, which was, you know, I was part of one of the first emerging cities that came out of Northwest Arkansas. And uh, everybody, I mean, there were people loved the journey and it started reproducing and in, in a big way, one, one group to six groups, and then just started going from there. And uh, it was always about the journey never influencers. No one even really knew what influencers was other than other, some sort of organization behind this in Northwest Arkansas or whatever. And, uh, and, and you mentioned that to me the other day, Mike, that um, everyone knows it as the journey, but no one even thinks of it as influencers. So there, right. there's not an identity as a region or as influencers Columbus or whatever. Um, and I remember that was a difficult thing to happen in Tulsa until I, I don't think it really happened until Frank Khalil uh, became a regional director in Tulsa. And he started, you know, identify, he, he was part of the 51C3, started recognizing everything was the logo and influencers Tulsa, influencers Tulsa and all that. And people started seeing it as an organization and a movement rather than just a class or a process or, or whatever you want to call it. So um, I think that bridge has to be crossed in some way, as far as the people grabbing the vision for a, for a greater movement of God that he's trying to do. It's not just one church. It's just not one journey group. It's a, it's a move. It's a revival really, I think right. is what it is. No, I would agree with that. I really, I, I hope we get to that point. And for those of you that are wondering, I'm 75. And so I don't take how much longer I have or don't have for granted. Um, you know, I've got physical issues just like some of you do. Um, and I don't know, I don't think I'm eminently going to kill over. But on the other hand, who knows? And uh, so I'm not sure that I'm the, I, I, I know where I want to get it, but I hope that that's where the Lord wants to get it more importantly. See, where I want to get it's irrelevant. I know that. I, I was telling Mike uh, the other day, we had a chat, and I was telling him there's a, there was an older man in Memphis who kind of got the ball rolling in Memphis and started everything, but he felt like, kind of what Mike's expressing that he needed to help raise up a younger man to be the point man to kind of take him in the future. And God raised up Jay Thompson. And then, uh, and this guy, Howard Jones became affectionately known as the Godfather. So he was kind of the, he was on the board and and was there involved in helping support it. But he, he let the the younger man kind of run with it, I guess, whatever. So who knows? It, it, it all looks different everywhere. I mean, there's a DNA, as you guys know, that we harp on all the time, but yet form flexes. Form looks different in each region. So, so what what questions do you guys have for Mike, or maybe even encouragement for Mike um, as he's in year three and and still praying about the future and all that? Any any questions you guys have? Or I have a good question. To, yeah, go ahead, Jim. Hey, uh, Mike, um, do you find that the the men who go through the journey the first time have a need to go through it again or again, or, do, or when they finish, do they feel like they're equipped to start a group or do they feel like uh, this is a program that uh, they finished? Um, we've had all three, Jim, we've had people who have gone through one time and not gone through again or done anything else. We've had uh, fellows who have gone through the group two or three times 
who are not natural born leaders, but recognize the need um, for them to be involved in men's fellowship as well as uh, study to abide in Christ. And then there are some guys that just get it and they, they, they take off with it. And um, we have all, we have all sorts. And initially I suppose I got real frustrated with guys who wouldn't even give it a chance and be a co-guide or, and, and it still frustrates me from time to time. But the recognition is, I guess that where I've, where I've come to is this, if a guy doesn't feel a burning in his heart and soul enough that he wants to do that, I don't think he's going to do it well. And if if there's if a fellow's going to even be a third in Columbus, we do something that not everybody does. We uh, this is what Brian modeled for us, but we have generally speaking three guides in every group, as opposed to two, and. Um, you would say, well, a guy could be like the third guide, and he could. But if he won't do it, it becomes more of a burden than a help. So what, what we have found, we encourage people like crazy. We challenge them like crazy. I suppose one of the most meaningful sentences in any of the books that I've read is in Beyond the Inner Chamber that says, to be a disciple of Christ, you have to disciple. Mm -hmm. And we make, and, and so what we've done in Columbus is we try to make that point early in the process and repeat it often because we really believe that. And for some guys, that has made a difference. Now, I had an interesting uh, one this last time because I had a Catholic fellow in the group, and for some reason he thought that that there that there was something that we were doing that was ad, adversely not Catholic, and I don't buy that. Um, we've had a number of Catholic guys in our groups, and I've never had that before. But you get people that come across that way. You do. But those people, by the way, Jim, some of those really quiet guys that don't do anything, we're just studying section, session three in one of the groups of Enabled, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And one of those guys, a young man named Keenan Top, strange fella, um, loves Jesus Christ. And, and uh, so I, I have written down what he said in that session one time. He said, you know, Christ invite us invites us to come as we are, but not stay as we are. Uh -huh. I thought that was one of the most profound things. And he is kind of that E.F. Hutton kind of guy. But to get him to lead a group would be worse than scratching the blackboard. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think it's almost like we, Frank and I have talked about this in Tulsa, you know, it's like, it's almost like you need to set an expectation, like you're saying early on, that hey, you, it's almost like it's a three-year process. I mean, most of us would say it's a lifelong process. We're we're never going to think of not leading a journey group, but at a minimum, a three-year. You go through it as a participant one year. The next year, you assist somebody who's kind of a lead guide, and then the third year, you you take the reins. And but but it but it may not always work like that. To your point, Mike, because you and I talked about 
some, some people are gifted at facilitating and some people are gifted in different ways. You know, some, some might be behind the scenes admin guys, they can be a guide, but they're not going to be the ones to facilitate the discussion. Right. Um, you know, so anyway, but, but definitely if you're fine, like you're coercing people into guiding, that's probably not the good thing. You know, I mean, they, they need to want to do it. You're, I agree with you on that. Mike, do you have couples groups as well? Uh, they, at uh, Grace Polaris, the, uh, they did two couples groups last year. I think they're going to do another one. We, <laughs> oh, it'll sound so bad. I don't want to say that. Well, but we, we had a plan for developing couples groups and even women's groups. And our plan is not the way it's going to go down. So it's going to be interesting to see what God does because we've had two couples groups and, uh, and they've been good, but, but I don't know what it's going to spin off. I just don't know yet, Jim. I hope they will. One of the things that was most fascinating this year was um, my son became the head pastor at a church in Columbus four years ago. And I had the dickens of a time to get him to, to, to let me run the to 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 let me do a journey group in the in his church for two years, and um, we actually moved to the east side of Columbus to be closer to our grandkids. But nevertheless, we moved out here, and I finally convinced him to do it. And so I went to two guys that I knew that were elders, and I didn't know them that well, but they are as good a guides as anybody almost that I've ever seen. They're men of God, they're men in the word, and they're men that are understand their frailties. And they have probably done as good a job as anybody that, that I've had guide with me the whole time. They've challenged me to do a better job. So sometimes you can just find those characters. So are these guys that have never been through the journey and they're just guiding with you? That's so, correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I know it's something we wouldn't typically do. And the reason I did it was because it was at Bo's church and and because I knew I was in the group. So I knew that we couldn't run too far afoul. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it helps to have elders for credibility and all that. I understand all that. Yes, you know, it does. Can, and so yeah. now in the fall, <clears throat> one of those elders and another one of the guys in our group right now is going to lead another group in the church. And the fellow that I had in a previous group and I are leading a second group in the church. So the church, the church has embraced it um, very well now. And, and it's, it's making a difference. It's making a difference. Hmm. Hey, Michael, um, when you've run more than one journey group at a time, have you synchronized the schedules of the journeys in order to make that easier on you to where you're always on the same session when you're doing this, or is it been offset? No, I do not. At, um, I was a football coach and uh, always took the, the approach that I wanted to make it as easy for the kids as I could, and I'd learn the rest. And so, like in this case, we are not on the same week, uh, not even close. And because that, it, that just, it just doesn't work well that way. That would overwhelm me. Now, same night, yes. Like right now, both of the groups that I'm in are on every other Monday night. So my Monday nights are taken, but yippee skippy. There's nothing good on TV anyway. Uh, 
<laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, I'm doing Monday nights and then in the fall, I'm going to add a Tuesday night. So it, it, but it is in that sense that I try to condense it, but not on the same. Uh, and we do another thing that's kind of interesting. We try to meet with our guides every single week, even on the off weeks. And, um, and talk through things. And one of the greatest things that's happening in my life is some of these men that are going through as co-guides with me are becoming just great friends, you know, just terrific friends. Mm. It, it has that benefit. So there are guys, I have found this, there are guys who are church centric guys. They really like the idea of doing it in their church. I'm doing it for Bo, not in our church for Bo, because I think it will help the church. But I am, uh, I will really enjoy the one in the fall because the one in the fall will have multiple churches, guys from multiple churches involved. And I find that fascinating. Can you hear me, Michael? Yes. Hey, so uh, that's great about the, uh, the, the reality of moving into the church. So along that line, have you had success? You know, when you think about churches today, they're always saying, hey, our discipleship process needs to be better. And of course we have the, as far as I'm concerned, the best discipleship process out there. And so have you had any, any success in relation to sharing that vision to other churches? I, I just, I've taken, I think this was Brian's approach from the very beginning, at least with me, and that is I haven't tried that. I have not gone to the churches and tried to, Grace worked because I had four of us who were from the same church, and we now have had 70 people or so go through the journey or more uh, at that church because that's where we were all at the time. But we've also had multiple people outside. And some of what happened, Brian, when, when we're counting those guys, see, some of my early journey groups were with, with really weird stuff. I mean, it was great. I, my college roommate lives in New Haven, Connecticut. And he was in a group. Uh, you know, I, that was fantastic, right? And there were guys all over the United States. And that's a little hard to build the program in Ohio if you do it that way. But my goal was to bring in the people that needed to hear about Jesus. That's all I cared about. I didn't care where they came from. I remember, I remember this church in Tulsa that was uh, really started embracing the journey and they, and they had multiple journey groups and they all met, they kind of did the Bakersfield model where they all met at the church on the same evening and then they split out into their, into their three journey groups or whatever. Um, and one of the guys who was an elder there, he said, he goes, this is exciting. He said, the, the only problem is we're going to run out of guys here pretty soon because we're not that big of a church. Right. I said, I said, what a great problem to have. Then you can start inviting your neighbors and your coworkers and, you know, you'll end up growing your church if you're not careful, you know? So, uh, <laughs> so funny though, how that works. So you're right though. Some people have that, this, this, this real small view of, keeping it within the walls of one church, you know? Right. So. And I don't see it that way. And I don't see it that way in Ohio. In fact, one of my biggest frustrations is that we had a guy, we had a guy from Cleveland um, who wanted to be in a journey group, but he wanted to be in a personal one. Uh, I'm one of those guys, by the way, that I find that Zoom works better for me 
than does an in-person group. So at a church, almost everybody wants to meet in person. I'm not against that. That's the way they do it at Grace Polaris. In fact, at Grace Polaris, most of those groups meet every week. They do, they do one lesson, but they do it in two weeks. And so there is a continuity of the men that is really helpful to them. Most of the groups that I do are done by Zoom because it fits not only my lifestyle, but I'm a big believer in Zoom for young men with fa young families who don't have to get up and go to the church and go back and, and all that stuff. But what I've tried to develop is a hybrid. And so here's what we're trying to do that may be a little unique. Maybe you're all doing this. But we do three sessions of Journey to the Inner Chamber. And then the, the fourth session that we meet is called Story Night, which is like a Bakersfield concept. But we bring everybody in generally to my house. And we go from six in the evening to 1030. And, and everybody gives their testimony to tell their story. And then we try to meet. We, then we meet in person for the gifts retreat. And we meet in person for graduation. And if you're doing it in a, a group that in the same church, you're going to see each other at church anyway. And guys will develop friendships outside. But that's kind of a a model that we've we've used some recently as well. When you say hybrid, when when you say hybrid, you mean uh, most of the meetings are virtual, but then the the big events that are live. Correct. Kind of what you're saying right. Correct. So even last year when we had the three guys from from Indiana and Columbus is in the middle of of Ohio and Indiana, we had one guy from Northwest Indiana. But guys are serious enough by that time that they will drive and they will come to Columbus. Uh, and and there were three guys that came, and a guy came from Dayton, and a guy came from Cincinnati, and I mean we had guys from all over. Mm. That's Michael, awesome. This is this is the first time I've heard somebody uh, espouse reality of young men and Zoom. Can you just speak just a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, under you don't know this, my background was I was a, I was a coach for fifty plus years. And one of the things that I, uh, when I, when my two boys graduated from high school and, and I became an empty nester, uh, people asked me if I wanted to teach an empty nester class at church. And I said, no, I don't like old people. And, uh, and, I, <laughs> and now I are one. Um, but, but at any rate, and so my whole life has been spent with young people. And so when when Zoom came out, everybody poo-pooed it, and they would say, especially for young guys, because they need to get together and, and so forth and so on. And I said, no, 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 no. If they're doing the job they ought to be doing, they ought to be eating dinner with their kids, and they ought to be helping putting them to get bed if they can. And, they, and we don't want to get them back out of the house and back in. And we have found that, it, that for most of those guys, if you can get them at all, it's it's in Zoom because they and if they if they live any distance from any place, like our September start group will have people from all over the city of Columbus and outside as well because they're they're just people that that we've gotten involved. Um, 
young people are hungry for this stuff. And what, what we've found is if you can develop a relationship. So what we do is as guides, we try to meet with those guys two or three times a year. And um, I'll tell you a story. It doesn't have any, I mean, it'll sound, it'll sound like I'm bragging on myself and I'm not, I'm not, this is just a fact. So a guy at Grace Brethren wants to be in a journey group. He can't because all their groups are at 7 and 7.30 in the morning. He's a teacher. He can't do it. He's 26 years old. And so those guys know me. And so they say, Mike, you have a spot in your journey group. And I said, yes. And I get this guy involved. And he he's we meet two or three times during that period of time. And one of the times that we talk is, we're discussing baptism. And he says, I was baptized as an infant. And I said, well, you need to be baptized when you know what you're doing. And I just sort of left it at that, right? So the, the journey group is over and he sends, a, he sends an email out to the journey group. And he said, love to have you guys come and celebrate with me. I'm going to get baptized. And he said, after talking with Mike and Pastor Mike, um, I see the need for doing that. So you can, so for me, this is just an extension of what I've done my entire life. I just, I love dealing with young men. I would much prefer to deal with young men. They're the and ones. I, that I think you may be right, Mike, that uh, the younger generation may be more predisposed to Zoom than, than going to live. I mean, the world's changing. Right. I mean, COVID changed the world, as we know. Um, but, you know, you're, one, you're an example, kind of like Scott Lawson, who's on this call, who came into the journey at, in a virtual group. And I, so I do, I have noticed that men who their first experience was virtual are way more open to virtual groups than those who did not, you know, but, but I think we've got to open our minds that virtual is not just leftovers, you know, like do everything else if at all possible. And if nothing else is left then do virtual, virtual is a tool. I mean, if it wasn't for virtual, you know, we wouldn't have shipped materials to 340 cities last year. You know, I mean, we'd still be just in the few little pockets where we, where we had live groups, you know, so I'm, I'm thankful for it personally. But. Young, young man lives in Indianapolis. His father lives in Columbus. They're in a journey group last year. Why? Because they can be on zoom. And here's a young man. My son, heck guys, I can't even tell you. My son is in one of my journey groups this year. There was no chance. There was no snowballs chance that my son would be in a journey group with me. And he, and he just kept hearing all these great things, and he knew the need that he had. And he finally said, uh, after a men's retreat that we had at church, he came up to me and he said, Dad, I, I just know I need to be in a journey group. Is there any room? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, and now all he says is the greatest things ever happened to him. I guarantee it's mm. the greatest things ever happened to me in that respect. Mm. That's awesome. I mean, you know, we, one of the things that Zoom does is it enables you to really think outside the box. You want to start, if I could find two guys or three guys in Cleveland that wanted to do the journey, I'd, I'd, we'd do it by Zoom with them, right? And then we'd let them go. I, I, I'm not going to... Pierce, he's crazy. I, I mean, God love him. I, I mean, but he's crazy. But 
I'm not going to drive to Cleveland every week to do a journey group. I'm sorry, Brian. Okay, it's two and a half hours. One way. But I'll tell you what. I'll put them in a journey group and we'll and we'll have a couple of times when we'll get together. And then I'll tell those guys, hey, when you're guiding a journey group, all you got to do is call me if you got a question. Because once you've been in my journey group, you're my guy. Mm-hmm. Call me. You got a question? Call me. And by the way, one of the young men that is leading journey groups with me, that's guiding with me, lives in, <laughs> you won't even believe the name of this. He lives in Ohio Pile, Pennsylvania. I, I, I mean, good gravy. Yeah, I'm serious now, right? And so he was in, a, he was in the original journey group that I was in. And it, it, Brian, he called Brian and he said, Brian, he said, I, I'd really like to get in another journey group, you know, and Brian said, well, why don't you call Mike Stanley? I think he's going to put some stuff together. Well, this young man is battling issues with the gal that he's with and all that sort of thing for the last three or four years. And he's one of those entrepreneur types, you know, that's just everything he touches, he makes money. But he's and he, but he knows he needs the journey group, right? So the two are the last three that I've guided. He's been a co-guide from Pennsylvania. And you've become now, a mentor here's to why. Him too. Here's why. <laughs> here's why. It's because every week he talks to me on the phone and I get to build into his life. Mm. See, so when I look at journey groups and I look at guides, like right now, I'm getting ready to call a guy this afternoon, I think, that I've known for 35 or 40 years, who's been through the journey twice, and he needs to get off his can and, and lead a group. And so what I'm going to do is call him this afternoon. We have a group going right now that's only got two guides, and he's in that group. And I'm going to call him and ask him to be the guy, another guide with us. Hmm. He may say no, but I'm, I'm going to put the heat on it. <laughs> What other questions you guys have for Mike or anything that this is stirring up thoughts? This is stirring this conversation stirring up. Anyone have anything? Yeah. Right. Brad, um, I would, I would just say to you guys and to Mike, thank you for bringing that up about the virtual groups. Uh, I guess when I think of them, I've often thought of a whole group being virtual and, and, you know, because of remote, but it can be within the same town and it works out better by virtual or um, what you were saying about the, these men need to be taking care of their families. And so instead of driving 20 minutes to a meeting, if they can do it every other time is in person or only at the prayer time and commencement and, and the big things like that, that, that helps something click for me. So I, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, I, I hope I hope you can use it. I'd be well, honored I, if you could. I'm leading a couple's journey group, and um, we started in the spring just going through the journey there in the chamber, and it was a live group. Well, then one of the couples it was transferring to Florida, um, but they so loved the group and so want to go through the journey that I said, well, we'll make accommodations. So we're going to meet here at the influencer's office where we have a Zoom room and have video conference, and they're going to Zoom in. So that's another kind of hybrid 
where some of the people are live and some of the people are coming in remote, but some of the others are dead. (laughs) (laughs) So, but as a result, because we're doing this now, there's a couple in Chicago that wants to join in that approach the ministry, you know, so I don't know, like you said, thinking outside the box, God's bigger than our predetermined perceptions of what this should look like, you know? So, so Ray, the, what you're, when I hear what you're saying, it drives me back to this, which is that from a man's perspective, mine, I know we need to have an influencers rally at least once a year, if not twice. I know we've got to have that. I've put those things on before, but right now, I don't know. I just don't sense whether that's what the Lord really wants me to do or not. And I really hope in my case that we can come up with a young guy that, that, that catches fire because we've got a couple of them. And sometimes uh, back Jim, back to your question. Sometimes it depends on the guy's perspective one of the fellows that's starting a journey group this fall is doing it because he wants his son in it. And I don't know whether it's a bigger mission for him or simply his son and some of his friends. So this kid that just got baptized is going to be one of the co-guides, as is the guy from Pennsylvania. Okay, and they're going to have a ball. They're going to they're going to have a great time. And the key then is going to be whether Kirby continues on, whether he will lead another group. And 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 I hope he will, because he's he'll he'll do a great job at it. He really will. But, Jim, the problem is, is his motivation may be so focused and so limited that he doesn't see a greater picture. I don't know yet. I won't know for a while. I wanted to say this about your rally comment, Mike. In Tulsa, um, we just did journey groups, and then they reproduced, just like you guys. I mean, about three years in, we were just like you guys. But we we went out to California and saw these gathering models and all that, you know, and we thought, okay. So we started with just a once a year, we called it Gabe's Cookout. And we just we just wanted to invite everybody to come and set. We did it at the end of the the journey season to kind of celebrate the end of all the journey groups and then also wanted it to be a launch into the next season, you know, so guys can invite their friends who hadn't been through the journey to hear some of the testimonies and all that. So we had three or four testimonies and I think we had Rocky come speak, whatever. But, um, and then I think that evolved into doing maybe one at the beginning of the season as a launch point, you know, but, but, you know, that's where it started. And then they, now they do a weekly deal called the anchor that they, have as you know, but 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 there's some value in that for them to see beyond what we talked about earlier, beyond just one journey group, to see that wait a minute, I'm part of something bigger than just my journey group. Look at all these guys that are all, I'm part of this. I mean, this is kind of my my people. Brian, I love that. So let me let me drill down a little bit if I can. Gabe's cookout. So what time of year did you do it? August. Well, we well we were on a when we started out in the early days it was on a calendar year most of the groups were on calendar years you know okay. so we were like February through November so it was kind of or, you know, end of October early November so it was in November before the holidays um and when we started it anyway 
So probably not going to do that in Ohio, not in November. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It might be a little chilly. Um, but, but if you're on a, if you're on a school year calendar, you know, you just have to do it in May or June or something like that, you know, maybe something in the summer. You know, that's a fantastic, that's a fantastic idea. And I'm, wow. It, because that, that is exactly what I'm looking for. And, and thank you that I see for me, I was, I only need to take away one idea today. I've actually got two. So that was great. <laughs> Good. Any other questions or comments while we're chatting here? Mike, you got something? Mike Hearn? We can't hear you very good. Something's going on with your audio. Uh-oh. The hell? You're not? There, there we go. There we, All right. Yeah, we hear you now. Okay. So if no one else has a question, so where are you at in relation to the thought of re a regional directorship uh, versus staying where you're at? And, you know, maybe that's a fair question, maybe not, but that's just what came up. No, that's a fair question. Uh, the answer is we, we don't have a need for one right now. Well, we have a need for one, but we can't finance one. And so until we have um, a greater core, larger core, and that sees themselves as influencers, then... And then at that point, it would force that kind of issue. But we don't, we're not there now. And that's okay. It's okay. I'm, I can live with that. But, you know, I'm, I listen, I, I bet you that you and I really get along because I'd love to have that dude. I'd love to have him today. Actually, I'd love to have had him six months ago. But we're, we're not there yet. We're just not there yet. Now, Gabe's Cookout, do you do fried chicken and biscuits and apple pie? Or <laughs> You have to. I mean, if you're going to do Gabe's Cookout. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Rocky's giving it a sub visual language to know what you need to have on the menu. You're right. <laughs> well, hey, uh, they modeled this in Bakersfield, and we've seen it here in Northwest Arkansas and Tulsa. If you feed them well, they will come. If you have good food, <laughs> men will come. <laughs> um, well, hey. Uh, yeah, I have one more ahead. question, if I could ask it. Go ahead, Jim. Uh, how do you uh, uh, encourage the men to give to the nonprofit part of the influencers? Um, I hate to ask for money. I hate the donation jar. And so consequently, I do a lot of things out of my pocket. Uh, but uh, I would like them to buy in. And we maybe have uh, maybe four or five buy in on a monthly tithe. But other than that, um, you encourage them to um, invest monetarily in in the work so that we can do other things like these campouts and so forth. Are you asking me? Yes. Well, my answer is short. We haven't asked them for a penny for anything. And and it, it's not solely because I hate asking for money. It's largely because we just we just don't have a mass. We just really don't have enough guys to do that. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I, you know, uh, we've set this up for, uh, for Orange County where Jim is and we've set it up for Wichita, but we, we can set up a donation button even before you have your own region, if you will. I probably mentioned this to you guys before, but, um, we can have that and, and the money would just come into our, as a, as a donation to global office, but we would earmark the money for your region. 
and then you got that could be used to help you guys some of your expenses or or whatever. If you got because you may have some guys come up to you and say, "Hey, I'd love to help. Is there a way for me to donate some money?" You know, and and this would be a way for them to donate to the global office, but we'll earmark it for your region. So that's available if you guys want to set something like that up. But I would say on a, a general comment is you just have to identify the need. What is the need? You know, I mean, I always go back to the Moses and the tabernacle story. You know, uh, God gave Moses specific instructions of what was needed, and then he shared it with Joshua. They told the people, and they and just said, we just want people whose hearts are moved and are willing and who have the ability to bring some help. That's all it is. Those are the two conditions, that their hearts are moved and they have the ability. And, and once they knew the need, people came. And you, you know the story. They had to tell them to stop giving because they had more than what they needed. So I think you just have to identify what's needed. Every time I've put out a, a call that was a specific need, whether it's money for a video project or a translation, or we want to help somebody in another country, influencers have always responded quickly. I mean, it gets funded within a week um, because men, men like to know what the need is and they want they the men's or hearts are for this ministry. And they know that we're not all about just trying to fundraise all the time. They know that. Uh, but if they see a need, they'll, they'll step up. So anyway, thank you, Mike, for all that. That was great insight. And, uh, you, you got probably got these guys wheels turning, which is good. me